Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Fear. I can smell it. I can feel it. I can taste it. It's all around us. And as it should be. Because it's time for another Monster Fest episode. So in that case, welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 Radio. Sometimes our very own existence can drive on fear too, to the point of paranoia where thoughts of persecution, unwanted, unwarranted jealousy, and exaggerate, exaggerated self-importance, I'm sure a lot of y'all have seen that on the internet world. These are cases where this can be linked to either drug abuse, personality disorder, and schizophrenia if we're not careful. But, since it's such a heavy assignment to deal with, and there are some things I just can't handle alone... I'm going to present my special guest for tonight, Stacey Jane from the Panophobia Podcast. Hello. Hi there. It's good to have you with us on the show tonight, madam. Thank you, sir. Thank you oh. so much for having me. Oh, I love that. That's a little bit of Downtown Abbey, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it tends to change with my mood. Who knows what I'm going to throw out there. Hey, hey, it works for me. I, I like that. You know what I mean? A little accent <laughs> goes a long way. But I must warn you, if you hear any growling, I swear it's not me. It's my dog. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. It's good to have the pup in the studio. I, I like seeing him. Beautiful dog, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he's a handful, that's for sure. Oh, yes. And, of course, you have your series called the Panophobia Podcast. Now, before we dive into the paranoia episode right now, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and the show? Sure. So, um... I created the Panophobia podcast um, about two years ago-ish. I started it with a friend of mine who kind of died off (laughs) from the show, I mean. Uh, Like, after a couple episodes, it just wasn't what he thought it was going to be. Um, But to make a long story short, uh, I suffered from anxiety disorders and phobias through my childhood. And I pretty much figured out ways on how to manage them and live with them or live without them, however you want to put it. And so it inspired me to do this show. And since I started it, I have talked with a lot of amazing people that have been through a lot of uh, crazy stuff. So it's it's been eye-opening and it's very educational. It's emotional. It's just, uh, it's a really cool show. And... I'm I'm really glad to do it and share it with other people. That's a good thing. I mean, I would love to hear so much more about other different phobias that people suffer from because everybody has a story out there. And I mean, even on Monster Fest, you can see that some of those things are based on things grounded in reality and folklore. Exactly. Like... I mean, like, you take it from here. Like, some people, they are so wanting to be in a relationship that they will go that extra mile to try to, you know, try to make sure this happily ever after happens. And to the point where it's not even love anymore. It's obsession. It's delusional. 
Yeah. It's just scary as hell from time to time because it changes from the idea of what you wanted it to be turning into something that you never thought was possible. And like some people are right. careful about that. Right, exactly. I mean, it's just like with, with anyone getting into even a new relationship. Things seem great at first, and then over time, true colors come out. And a lot of times when those true colors come out, then you reveal a monster. Or you took away the mask of of that person, and that's when it's it becomes scary um, and troublesome, and you know they, it develops all kinds of things. And like everything becomes a game of wits. Then I mean, it's like even if say like you go to work, chances are that person gets jealous, and the jealousy just festers and festers. And it's like you could just be working with those people, find some sort of loophole they can get to try to exert too much control over you. Right. Getting another way of fear just to cave in the person because it is a scare tactic, usually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's you know a fine line of reality. <laughs> And uh-huh. it's, it seems so, so very fine. It really does. And then there's, like, shady areas. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the delusion is just amazing sometimes from some of these people that you read up on. You know? Oh, I, I've definitely crossed paths with a, a lot of different uh, personalities of mental disorders. Um, not just with my show, obviously, I mean, just in, in real life examples, you know, whether it was a relationship or a coworker or a friend or a family member, um, there's, there's a lot of people that need a lot of help. Oh yeah. And like, you know, I wonder though, is it our society that causes it or is it that them making that choice, you know, like from time to time, like what could, what is it really? Like, what do you think, like, starts it? Like, we're... Yeah, like, we're what, what ignites it? I don't know. Um, a, a childhood, a traumatic experience, um, the way that they were treated by somebody, whether it was a family member, friend, or boss. You know, there's triggers. There's yeah. triggers to it. Um, in, in a lot of ways, yeah, society can cause these triggers, you know, for, like, social anxieties, things of that nature. You know, the Internet has enabled people to become recluse and not have the interaction that they should with human beings. And so there's a lot of social awkwardness um, and behavioral differences. Because nobody's adapted to interaction with humans. That's very true. Because, I mean, social interaction at best can be hard. I mean, it was hard even before the growth of the internet like it has. But the thing about it is is that now it's to the point where it's taken more of a nosedive than anything. Whereas, yeah, you can like talk to people big time online and stuff. But face to face, there are moments where depending on what triggers you or not, you know... People think that, oh, you don't have the ability of people skills and stuff like that. It's like certain places think that the most sought after thing is people skills. And then it realized that sometimes people are the reason for the problem of that person not having people skills. True. Yeah. It's like, what do you say? A double-edged sword, maybe? Kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, the, the catch-22. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
right. say it. There's always going to be a situation that's uncomfortable. And I think if people learned real life skills of how to handle those types of situations, we wouldn't have the reactive people like we do today. And a lot of the horror stories that are covered that you and I have probably seen throughout different variations of our lives, they come from reactive moments. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not coping. I mean, in a way, it looks like it's coping. It seems like it's coping. No, that's not coping. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not not necessarily. And it's not a healthy coping. Not at all. Matter of fact, anytime, like, you know, like, it's not saying a certain ex or it's not saying, like, and then there are those weird cases where it might not be an ex-boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be a friend of or another person that actually likes that person coming and taking up the ranks and stuff like that. I mean, I know you've seen Scream before when that happened. Right, exactly. You never know who you're going to be involved with. Like you were mentioning, it could be somebody's, you know, ex-spouse or lover or whatever. Not even the person you had the relationship with. It could be somebody else that's causing you torment. Yeah, and then, like, it just leads to a deeper version of what was presented in stalker syndrome. Right, and stalkers are potentially, they're people you know, for a reason or another. It's not a random target. Okay, there is that rare moment where you might say, like, 10%, you might get stalked by somebody randomly. But we all know what that 90% usually is. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of what the statistic is. I know I've looked it up before, and mind you, this is a national statistic, not worldwide statistic, um, as far as, uh, like, how many people get stalked. And it's like, it came out to be one in 300,000 men in the United States per year have a stalker. So, I mean, and this could be wrong. I remember looking it up at some point, but... And so don't quote me on these numbers, but it was something like that of where it's like out of 300,000. But in comparison to women, it's a million. Oh, yeah. So I think it's like one in 45 as far as a ratio for men that's stalked in their lifetime where it's one in 12 for women. That's terrifying. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty bad for a lot of. You know, a lot of y'all out there that either do modeling or PR. Right. I think I I covered some sort of segment like this on another podcast with another show at some point when it comes to um, things of this nature of like getting um, harassed online or, or even in, in public. Um, and it goes without saying that the more attractive you are, the more you're going to be harassed and bothered by by people. Yeah, that's very true, especially if it's something that doesn't adhere to their worldview, which pretty much is the basis of a whole other episode, but, you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can go off on tangents about happenings of things like that. I mean, there's countless books and movies and just Lifetime stories. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, you know, some of them Lifetime movies that they show, they're pretty damn good. They are pretty good. The original (laughs) series, I don't give a damn about, but, like, around this time, though, in some of the movies, I'm just sitting back and I'm like, oh, my God, I I gotta see what happens next. Forget going to work. They they bring you in, yeah. (laughs) And it's amazing how they do that. Especially when it's something that pertains to something real. Like, yeah, reenactments. You know, is there a phobia about that when it comes to stalking? Is it, like, what? what is that phobia called? Like, fear uh, of being alone? Is that what it is, usually? 
as far as a fear, well, okay. So like, there's, there's a difference between like phobias and fears as far as like my definition, because phobias are considered very specific and they're irrational fears that kind of border on what, how do I explain? Like what, what, I guess just what's rational, what's irrational. So like to be able to handle a situation of say you're in crowded spaces, you know, like you're, you're in a crowd of people that's you know, like an anxiety disorder. But a lot of people would stem that from like agoraphobia. <laughs> My dog is so pissed at me right now. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's bringing up good points though, especially as you speak about it, because we're getting into something deep. <laughs> So my dog has separation anxiety. Uh-huh. <laughs> Severely. Where, yeah, an attention disorder. <laughs> He's like, human, you cannot talk to other people. You have to pay attention to me. Legion, that's kind of what happens. And you can't get between a pretty lady and her dog. <laughs> when it comes to certain certain fears and stuff like that, I mean, I had some, I think, growing up. I mean, I used to have vertigo or something awful because I fell down the oh, yikes. So, you know, but I've long since gotten over that, though, because I started working on filmmaking and everything else, and I started realizing, hey, to get the best shots, you gotta go ahead and be practically like Superman or Spider-Man. So I was like, let me do this stuff, let me get it, let me get it! Right. So as I started doing those things, I started to combat that fear a little bit, but there are times it does creep up on you, because... There's triggers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether we acknowledge them or not, they're there. It's like a mind over matter. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Any kind of, I guess, therapist, counselor, psychiatrist, whatever you want to call them. Anybody that you you speak with in regards to, you know, these types of things, they will tell you that it, it starts with your mind. It starts with how you perceive things. So when it comes to fear versus phobia, it's knowing the reality of the situation can you handle it will you is it inducing fear of like it's like threatening to you that's what a phobia feels like to somebody it's a full-blown panic attack where you feel like you just shut down and you can't deal with life people that have them i mean they're completely immobilized with these i mean they can't function like uh i guess a normal human being is how some people would say. Um, I mean, it 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 affects their daily life. That's mm-hmm. that's a phobia. So, when it's a fear, it's something where you saw a spider and then it like five minutes later it's gone. You forgot about it. That's a fear. Oh, okay, okay. That's, really so, that's kind of the way to do it. Like say like pretty much a phobia takes residence in your mind and plays tri- you know triggers that whole thing and. You know what I mean? Like, you can see all that kind of stuff, and it kind of gets to where paranoia is. Right, exactly. Yeah. You can have, you know, it's, you know, like psychosis. You know, anything that you've learned or read or whatever you know about it. You know, there's behavioral things that stem from those types of situations. It's all in how a person can handle it or not handle it. So, when it comes to fear, like, say you have a fear of, like, I don't know, flying, you know, that would be like, oh, I just don't like it, or I get nauseous, or I get, you know, anxious when I fly. But when it comes to a person that actually has a full-blown phobia, 
a plane? They can't get on a plane. They are completely paralyzed and they just, they shut down or they collapse or like I said, they just, they can't deal with it. That's a phobia. Or they have outbursts. Yeah. 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 Some people react differently to certain things. It, it just depends. But that's really what it is. Like, they can't overcome it. And they feel like they're going to die. Like, it's life-threatening. Well, yeah, that's very true. It's kind of like people with night terrors and stuff like that. Right, exactly. I covered um, a topic that was probably setting the bar of my show. It was, like, uh, the very first episode, and we talked about sleep paralysis which is known as hypnagogia. Um, so it's a, a fear of sleep paralyzation. You know, you're a sleep paralysis. So like you're, you're somewhat conscious, but you're not, but you are, <laughs> and you can't move. You're aware of some surroundings, but you're also somewhat delusional at the same time. Um, wow. There's really, uh, like if you look it up, there's like, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily a myth that goes with it about like um, people feel paralyzed because it's like the devil is sitting on your chest or a demon, something evil that's lurking in the, the shadows. And it's like, it's, it's like tormenting your fears of the darkness. And then just taunting you about everything you're scared of. Yeah. And so it's it's terrifying because you're like, there's a level of consciousness to you, but your body is in mobile. So it's terrifying because you can't move. Like, you can't get up. You can't remove yourself from the situation. You're just like... So it makes you think. Yeah, it does. So I interviewed a guy by the name of David, and he actually contacted me directly to be on the show when I was kind of advertising for it. And he said, you know, I have this thing that I've dealt with since I was a child and I, it still happens to me to this day. And I, I'd like to talk about it. And I'm like, all right, sweet. <laughs> Let's do this. So he was um, my very first episode that we recorded. Um, it's a really good episode. It's a little lengthy. We covered a lot of topics. But his story is just, it's compelling. And you're just like, wow, that's. It was really dramatic to listen to. Hey, at least it was deep, and maybe maybe by him talking about it, maybe that's a way I could give him some treatment, because, you know, you can't really think of a cure, but you can think of a way to treat the, you know, issue. Right. It's, it's definitely like a coping therapy, you know, when people talk about things. That's, you know, if you think about it, that's when you go to a shrink, and you sit, you sit or lay on a couch, and you talk about your problems, and then you feel bad about it, because you you put it out there, you've released it, and or you're acknowledging, and you have this new sense of awareness of it. Because, um, have you ever seen the thing where, like, people, when they say that kind of, when they admit to what they've had, but then they become very vengeful about it, too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is that called, exactly? I don't remember. <laughs> it's, it's like one of them things that happen in, like, oh, there were several movies about this. I think it was called either Fear or Primal Fear. It was one of the movies where... Yeah. Yeah, well, he knew he had a problem. The doctor knew he had a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the girl that he's been trying to get with for so long knew he had a problem. Right. But, you know, the way they went about it was all horribly wrong. <laughs> right, yeah. And it was just like, oh, 
course, you know, in order to find the right treatment, you got to be around the right people, too. And there's a lot of, well, you know, I can't right. cuss on the show anymore, but, you know, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it also means that just because it worked for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That's true, too. You know, even when it comes to, like, treating phobias, it's everyone's treatment is different. Just because you went and you talked to somebody in, in like, therapy sessions and it, you felt relieved about it doesn't mean that the next person that goes is going to feel that much better about it. They may need more intensive care. They may need medication. They may need, you know, all kinds of other things to help them get a grip on, on what is, you know, bothering them with you know, day-to-day tasks and these fears and, you know, things like that. It becomes a phobia, I guess, when, you know, it affects your daily life. Like, stops you from doing normal, typical things. That's an issue. And people, it's, it's so sad for people to live that way. Because oh, yeah. they miss out on so much because of their fear. And then there comes a part where they survive the trauma and end up becoming a part of said fear, too. True. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and, like, all this phobia and fear is at the core of all this horror that we talk about on the daily. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, like, take the top three slasher films, you know what I mean? Considering that Freddy is a... Which is weird to me. Like, a lot of people have crushes on Freddy when you know he's a pedophile. He would have loved you if you were 10. He wouldn't give a about you at 18. And then, like, you don't feel any sort of tragedy for him at all, except maybe his mom, because his mom was a nun and messed with by all them people. But, you know, he exists for phobia and fears. He's the boogeyman at best. Right. Oh, yeah. And then you look at Jason. Jason's more of a tragic... Bleh! Can't talk tonight. More of a tragic (laughs) figure than anything, because, you know, he didn't ask to be born the way he was. And he was neglected and mistreated, and... Did they throw him in the water, or did he fall in the water? I thought they threw him in the water. Yeah, they, uh, you know, either way, they didn't help him. Well, yeah, exactly. So you figure that, you know, pretty... And then they, and then he saw his mom getting beheaded. At least that's what the natural story is. Right, so, yeah. you know, you took away the one thing that he cared about. So, yeah, going from there, you know, that <laughs> that's a vengeful spirit right there. And he's afraid well, of yeah. water. yeah. Yeah, so he's true. around water all the time, but he's afraid of it. A lot of people are. Yeah, that's that's actually true. That's true. There's a lot, <laughs> and it, typically uh-huh. it comes from people that just don't know how to swim. Yes, yes, that's very true. And see, a lot of people think because of that they can't swim, and you know, when you think of a certain thing, you you know, you put it into practice. Uh, you know, another one to look into is Michael Myers. They never specified why he killed his sister and all that stuff, but he's the embodiment of fear because could you imagine William Shatner coming after you with a knife? <laughs> right. I, mean, let's just... I think it cracks me up that that's what that mask was. Yeah. It really does. I mean, they changed it slightly, but still. It's so funny. Yeah, at the bases, that's him. <laughs> you know? Captain Kirk's gonna kill you. <laughs> right. But it's even worse now because you see Mariah Carey has gotten older. So her face and Michael Myers have a resemblance to it. And people oh are my her God. About it. I know that's, that's really screwed up, but Did you see the side by side of them? Yes. I think online. Okay. <laughs> resemblance is uncanny. 
cracking up. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And I used to have a real severe crush on Mariah Carey when I was a kid. So like seeing that now is like just just is this wrong? Sort of way. Yes. <laughs> it's like I need therapy now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, like you can't unsee that. Yeah, it, it's it's awful. <laughs> The new movie is coming out soon, so I'm I'm excited to see what Bloomhouse does with it. I actually am. Like I'm sure you've noticed, like when I made these episodes, I always have my reference about like how certain reboots I don't really care for, but I know why reboots exist. Yeah, I I don't know. I always like to see what they do with them. I like to give movies a chance, regardless, because I like to see like what their perception of, uh, you know, was with it. Like, why did they decide to do that? Yeah, okay. Well, you know, like, see, that's why you're cool. I like that. <laughs> you know, I can agree yeah. with that one. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm not going to knock everything. Yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't understand why they wanted to remake something. But, you know, let's give it a chance and see where they were trying to go with it. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of thinking. Right, exactly. And then when you look at, like, uh... God, there was another thing about fear. Oh, well, you know, being lost in an abandoned place of anywhere is fear in general right there. Because your oh, well, nature yeah. can get you. Well, yeah, exactly. Like Hills Have Eyes, for instance. Oh, God. Well, like, <laughs> I don't like movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie was crazy. <laughs> I, I used to love that. I'm like, God. there's some crazy hillbillies coming after you. No, thanks. I mean, you know, it's like, which one is worse? The, the people from the Hills Have Eyes... Or the people from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? They're all the same. They're all related. Clearly. You, you're right. You're right. <laughs> right. That, no offense to those that live out there, but you you know, them them fools have been, you know, kind of keeping it in the family, if you know what I'm saying. Ex- yup, exactly. Uh-huh. That's the inbred. Oh, dear. Yeah. But, I mean, That's... you got you to gotta give Leatherface some credit. At least the man loves to do his job. This is, yeah, he's pretty stellar at it. Oh, yeah. And like looking looking back at all these things, it's 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 um I don't want to say like it's a money making approach, but I want to say because people like that they really do need their help. They really do need the treatment. Now God knows how they're going to get that treatment with the way things are going. But you know you can see where all that stuff has a basis and like it's presented out there in front of us. Sure, we want annoying high schoolers to get bumped off. None of us can really stand them. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Look at like the nature of those characters and why they exist and why they're the way they are. You kind of look at the tragic approach and say, "All right, I see where this is," and and it's like you want to help them, but you know some of them can't help themselves, so that's why they do what they do. Right. Exactly. It's all they know. Yeah. Granted, you shouldn't be on the other side of the axe, but still, right? (laughs) You know. It's like it's like one of those multi ways of looking at things, and which is why you look at certain things like paranoia. Yes, yes, like absolutely. you know anybody out here walking, you know me or you, we have that ability or that tendency to be any of those supervillains from time to time, based off of what we go through, and if we don't, you know, try to overcome and try to treat and be aware of them. You know? Also true. No. Nope. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like one of them things you look at from time to time. It's like, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't mock this person. Maybe you shouldn't make fun of this person. Maybe you should actually try to communicate with them a little bit. Oh, which, by the way, I don't think you should watch this when the little one's around, but there are two movies out there that are actually pretty good on this uh, principle. 
and it's called Creep. Oh yeah. Oh, you. Oh, so you've probably seen them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, with Joseph, aka Aaron. It came out in like 2016, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you look at that guy, and you're like, you know, I don't know much about him, but I know he has problems. I know he's uh, gonna off yeah. this dude that's supposedly the main character. Right. Like yeah, like all that wild stuff there. It's like, uh huh. <laughs> Speaking of um, those types of movies, did you see Split with James McAvoy? Yes, I did. Yes, I okay. did. Can we just totally discuss that for a moment? Hey, why not? The movie Split with uh, James McAvoy stems from, uh, what is it, Disassociative Identity Disorder, something along those lines. He has split oh, personalities. Oh, that's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, so he has, he's diagnosed with 23 personalities. Yep. But one, there's a new personality that's submerged. And yep. his doctor's like in fear that it's going to dominate all the other personalities. Mm. And it's by far the most sinister. So you saw it, right? Oh, yeah. Or do you know? Okay. So my take on it is, for one, James McAvoy is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I didn't know that like, was coming. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was. He was phenomenal in it. Like just to to be able to be a, a different personality and just so twisted and just it was amazing. Like just spot on, good. Gave me chills, but. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to say, I'm going to, we're going to do all the, the spoilers, but I hated, hated, hated how it ended. I was like, really just come on. How do I mean, there's a reason for that. I know, but I feel like I could have gone in so many other directions, but not that one. I felt like that just kind of like made me throw in the towel of it. Like it was so good up until then. It was a tease. It was a tease. But right? Considering okay. that it's M. Night Shyamalan and, you know, he's trying to get back to where he was. <sighs> he he, okay. he did the right thing, though. You know what I'm saying? He did kind of do... I mean, we may not agree with it, but he did the right thing on ending it the way he did. Because it, it wasn't cliche. Right. And it wasn't formalistic like his other... Right. I mean, I, I can throw out there, like, his movie, The Happening... There was nothing happening in it. It was probably the most boring movie I've ever seen. But well, what um, happened was I like his movies. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, but you know what happened was it was the plants. <laughs> they wanted domination. They wanted nature to come back and take over. So they had to get the human race <laughs> to wipe out each other in some shape or form, which is more of a supernatural thing. But you know, you got some people. Yeah. Out there, that are crazy enough to believe that, too. Oh, gosh. I know. We could totally talk about doomsday people. and All the time. A yeah, whole yeah. nother episode. Yeah, that has to be a whole nother episode. Crusaders. You know, but I did love it. Like, whenever his uh, personas came into form, going back to Split, by the way. Yeah, I loved it. I, I just loved the way it worked. and even I loved the transition. Yes. Yeah. And he even had a connection with the main girl that, you know, he found out that she went through a bunch of stuff in her home. 
Right. You know, yeah. similar to him. Like, it's usually like that in a movie, too. It's when the monster and the victim have that one connection, a.k.a. Yeah. Stockholm, yeah. you know? Right, exactly. And, it, and it's the creepiest, most beautiful thing because of how real it is. Right, yes. I mean, but, so, like, there's the, um, there's another movie out there, and I'm not able to recollect what it's called, but it had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Oh, yeah? He had, uh, I want to say something similar, like a split personality type thing, where he actually lived two different lives. Mm. And I don't know what it's called. And so... My child is here making bacon pancakes as she walks in the door. The, the little one. The little one, the mini me, has arrived. <laughs> I can see. Um, and so in this movie, it shows him going back and forth of different times of the day and different times of the week that he has a schedule, like a regular schedule, but he's living two separate lives as two separate people with two separate, like, women. Like, oh, one's wow. a girlfriend, one's a wife. And there was... Something that happened, it was like something that came out of his regular schedule and threw off his schedule. And so he started acting strange. And I think it's his wife that notices and decides to like, I'm recording something. <laughs> um, and so she starts to follow him and realizes that there's something wrong. So... I, I can't remember what it's called, but you'll have to look it up and just kind of look look up Jake Gyllenhaal split personality movie something like that. And it he's pretty phenomenal of an actor too. So that, that one movie? was. I know what you're talking about. You mean that movie Enemy? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that Enemy. it? Yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting movie for sure. The only other movie I was going to mention, or well, actually it's a book, but it was made a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, about split personalities is uh, Sybil. Are you familiar oh. with Sybil? Oh yeah, she was crazy, man. Based, I mean, based on a, a real person who actually had sixteen personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So like the book came out in uh, nineteen seventy three, and then the movie came out in like nineteen seventy six with Sally Fields playing her. I think they did a remake of it. I think in the nineties too. I can't remember, but yeah. I think they did three remakes. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> My child's like, they made three remakes. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a third one was on deck. <laughs> Probably. You yeah. know, this is true. But that, I remember reading about it when I was like in high school and I was fascinated by psychology. And I started reading about I was obsessive compulsive disorders and anxiety and other mental disorders like schizophrenia and, you know, just a few other things that like cause these triggers and, and things. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Obviously, it was something that I, I, learned about and read about and studied and you know it just kind of had the roots for the show but obviously also going through my own like phobias as like a child and and things of that nature like I was probably 13 14 I think when I suffered from agoraphobia 
And it wasn't that I didn't want to leave my house or that I was afraid of other places that it was kind of like going out in public and being judged. I lived in a very small town with very strict religious family and I was kind of the black sheep. And so I just always felt like I was always being judged and ridiculed and like put myself in embarrassing situations. So I never liked to leave the house or go anywhere. And I didn't really get over that until pretty much in my 20s. <laughs> wow, okay, I mean, okay. So I dealt with it for up. a very long time. <laughs> yeah. But I literally just moved away and lived on my own. And I was kind of, I had to force myself to go do things. It's like, nobody's going to go to work for me. Nobody's going to pay my bills for me. Nobody's going to live my life for me. So obviously I have to go and do these things and face it and just go do it. So I was just literally forcing myself. It was an interesting struggle, but now I'm like, I go out all the time. I never like to be home. (laughs) (laughs) So you grew into it. You knew what you had to do. You developed your awareness and you pushed yourself. I think it was also environment too. I mean, living in a small town, people are kind of narrow-minded and things like that. So you just kind of have to make your own path and just go where you feel more comfortable. That's right. Mm -hmm. And since that was a logic moment on the show, I guess you know what that means. We're going to have to end it here. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how (laughs) we go from, you know, sophisticated to manic over into logical and then have to say goodbye? Yes. All in one. Like a burrito. (laughs) Actually, it was nothing nothing like a burrito, but since you put it that way, I might as well go to Taco Bell since I'm done. (laughs) Let's just roll it into one. Right. <laughs> hey, but you know what, though? Before we head off, though, I want you to go ahead and let everybody know where they can find your show and where they can communicate with you. Yeah, I'm on, well, Mixcloud has the episodes. I guess you can look it up under Panophobia Podcast. That's P-A-N-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. I don't really know what the actual link is. I don't think it's under a Panophobia link number or whatever you call it URL. I'm also on Instagram, Panophobia Podcast. There's a Facebook page. There's a Twitter, which is capital M-I underscore Panophobia. That's pretty much it. Aside from email, panophobiapodcast at gmail.com. There you go. And yes, if you want to talk with Miss Stacy a lot more, you know, feel free to send her links and, you know, chat with her on the, on a good level now. <laughs> Considering that I'm leader of the J360 Legion and all, you know, and, and don't blame me on that. <laughs> but other than that though like ladies and gentlemen uh, actually the monster fest isn't over i got another episode to do so that's that's right so you know that means 76 is on deck and any guest that's on the j-man show or has been on the j-man show is welcome to come back anytime Thanks. All right, and you just let me know when you want to come in, and you know, as usual, everybody, send me an email, j360productions at outlook.com. You got a lot to look forward to from here on out, hun, and I hope that your show will be back on, you know, more airwaves soon enough, because I know that this is the time to do it. Heck yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. It'd be busting out some more episodes, throwing them on Mixcloud. You got it. So that hits the j Show, episode 75. I want to thank you all for coming in and chilling with me and Miss Stacy tonight. I want you all to take it easy from here on out. Episode 76 will follow later this week. 